what advantages and disadvantages do Georgia and Missouri have against each other in this massive matchup? I'll give you my final score prediction, plus remembering some of Bobby Knight's classic moments against the Tigers. All this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100 daily of fantasy sports made easy. And you know, the Missouri-Georgia game, not going to be easy for the Tigers. I can pretty much guarantee you that. And if you think about the advantages that Missouri may or may not have in this ball game, well, certainly one advantage that Georgia has, let's just be real. They have the depth. They really do. This is the deepest Missouri team I've seen in years, certainly under the Eli Drinkwitz regime. But I think the, the superior depth that the Bulldogs are going to have after recruiting at, at such an incredibly high level for multiple years now, I'd say going back to at least 2018, even further back than that into the Curry, Kirby Smart regime, the Dogs have had at least a top three class for each and every season. At a certain point, those numbers just start to add up in a real way. And as I've said this week, if you're an everydayer, that often shows up on special teams in these games for Georgia and teams like Alabama who recruit at this extremely high elite level. And I just want to say and emphasize that Missouri's special teams don't have to win this ball game whatsoever, but they can't they can't lose it, right? I, I think a stalemate would actually be a wonderful and beautiful thing for Missouri. Just think a bunch of touchbacks in the kickoff game, a bunch of punts being caught for for a 45-yard fair catch. Again, nothing that you're going to remember weeks from now, but just simple plays that are executed well in the special teams game. Again, hopefully Missouri's willingness to fake a punt against Kentucky deep down the field will have Georgia maybe a little bit back on its heels instead of being extremely aggressive trying to block kicks. Now, I mentioned the the necessity of protecting the punter, obviously, in this ball game. Well, certainly Missouri's had some place kicks blocked as well on this, well, I was going to say this young season, but really we're two-thirds of the way through the season already. It's amazing how fast college football goes, is it not? But again, let's just get back to the advantages and disadvantages. Lad McConkey is a really, really good player, an excellent college receiver, without a doubt. But I don't think he's going to find a tougher matchup on the outside then he's going to then Chris Abrams drain. And I do say the outside because that is where McConkey lines up the majority of the time. Certainly the vast majority of the time the previous week in Jacksonville against Florida. So that's not one that really worries me that much. I actually worry a little bit more about the Dominic Lovett matchup because for as much as a lot of Missouri fans who are still upset that Lovett decided to transfer from Missouri to an SEC East 
rival and competitor. Hey, I understand that on some level, but you know what? These days, the transfer portal is just kind of the deal. So I just want to talk about the football part of it because even though his target volume is certainly down last season from what it was at Missouri when he was essentially the the number one receiver for Missouri, if not 1A to Luther Burden's 1B, but that hasn't been the case at Georgia, obviously, this season. But if you look at all the efficiency numbers, the advanced stats, everything else, Turns out Dominic Lovett's still a pretty good player, and he's having a nice season for Georgia. So he's a real worry for a Missouri defense that at many times has struggled covering that slot receiver. Now, we haven't seen that for a few weeks now, but I think that is something to really keep an eye on. How does Missouri match up with Lovett? Does Ennis Rakestraw come up against him a lot in the slot when he's out there? If McConkey moves to the slot as well, I think that's also an obvious move. But again, McConkey generally on the outside, Lovett generally on the inside. Sometimes he's off the field, he being Lovett, because Georgia goes to maybe a two or even one receiver set with some extra tight ends, extra offensive linemen really tries to power that ball up the field. So again, just don't mistake Overall total numbers for Levitt here maybe being a little bit down versus last year, thinking that eh, he's not the player that he was last year. I'm not really buying into that narrative whatsoever. Another good thing for Missouri is while Georgia's offensive line has kept Carson back clean for the vast majority of their passing plays, when he's been under pressure, well, he the results have not been pretty so far. Again, if you're a Georgia fan, you're going, hey, good luck putting pressure on us. Fair enough. I just think Missouri will be able to bring extra guys in pressure. Just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Can Missouri get home? Can Beck move around in the pocket and buy himself time? See, that's one advantage I think maybe Missouri does have. In terms of pocket presence, I can't say I'm a Carson Beck expert. I haven't watched film of his footwork for 90 hours. You'll have to forgive me there. But just looking at, very simply, his rushing stats for the year, he's rushed for less, fewer than, a, than 100 yards on the season. Running and scrambling around, which is something that Missouri has certainly struggled with at times defensively, notably against Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy frontrunner perhaps, at the time, well, Carson Beck is just not Jaden Daniels. That doesn't mean he's not a good player. It just means that particular aspect of the game, that's just not him. So to me, that's a real potential weakness for Missouri that I just don't think Georgia is going to be able to exploit. And also, just based on really what some comments I've seen from some rather level-headed Georgia fans, I would say, who actually tended to agree with a lot of my analysis leading up to this game that actually Georgia's defensive line isn't what it was last season. And, and actually, I think Missouri's offensive line is so much improved, especially in terms of pass protection. I think that they can compete with Georgia's defensive line. Now, the key word there is compete. I'm not saying Missouri is going to dominate up front. I'm not saying it's even going to be a stalemate. But I, what I will say is, Georgia's defensive line saying that they weren't as good as last year's well that's that may be true that's also a really high bar to clear so let's not mistake the fact that Georgia has talent all over the field especially on the defensive side of the ball again despite 
Maybe that defensive line not being what it was last season, the sack numbers, the tackle for loss numbers, not quite what you would expect from a Georgia defense so far here on this season. But again, I'm telling you, there's potential NFL caliber players all over that two deep. Let's not forget about that whatsoever. And coming up, I am going to give my final score prediction for the Missouri-Georgia game and also how I'd like to see the Tigers come out, especially even the very first snap of the football game. But first, I want to tell you about a prize picks, which is by far the easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Let me give you an example. You could take more than 244 and a half passing yards for Brady Cook this Saturday and take less than 285 and a half passing yards for Georgia quarterback Carson Beck. Put a little bit of action on and make the game even more fun. That's what Prize Picks is all about. So go to prizepicks.com/slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. I've talked a lot on this program about how I truly believe the fake punt Against Kentucky from Luke Bauer to Marquise Johnson, not only a huge play just in terms of actual football value to say the least, but one that just psychologically loosened Missouri up, a, a tight Missouri team I felt like at the beginning of that football game. Well, that's also why I loved the two-point conversion and conversion against LSU in, in that game that Missouri ultimately lost to as well. Again, I just thought it absolutely got the Missouri offense off to a great start, just showed confidence, showed that struggling LSU defense that it was going to be a long day for, for them one way or the other, and it was for the most part. Obviously, the Missouri offense was not the problem there. But to that point, I don't necessarily need to see a trick play in the first series of the game or anything like that, but literally the first snap of the ball game offensively, Missouri, I'd love to see them go play action and take a deep shot to Marquise Johnson or Luther Burden or Theo Weiss or whoever you feel like is the best matchup in that particular situation, whichever look you like. Again, let's establish that we're playing loose and aggressive and here we're here to win this football game not to just sit around and, and try to cover the spread and try to avoid embarrassment or whatever. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that's going to be anybody's attitude in the Missouri locker room. I just think from a coach's standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, I just think, hey, th just chucking it deep on the first play of the game, I, I just kind of love it. Even if it doesn't work, heck, you might get a pass interference call or something. There's a lot of things good that can go right on that particular call. A lot of different things that can go right on that particular call, I should say. But obviously, there's some things that can go wrong for Missouri, too. For me, one of my biggest concerns is defensively, Missouri's tackling 
versus their running, quite simply. Obviously, Dejuan Edwards is a really good back, just a, a, a tremendous bevy of good running backs at Georgia for the last few years. Not exactly a huge shock there. Same old story once again. And even if he's having an off game or gets hurt or something, I'm I'm sure that whoever is the second string running back, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble again. What? But in all seriousness, Oscar Dell, the man who uh, whose name I couldn't come up with a few episodes ago, I had some fun with that a couple episodes ago with, with some Georgia fans. But in all seriousness, the Georgia tight end, Oscar Dell, Brock Bowers' backup for all intents and purposes, he could absolutely be a problem for Missouri, especially in the play-action game, which is something that Georgia has done very effectively. And again, if, if Carson Beck is running play-action fakes on first down and has all day to throw to that big tight end or whoever it is who's open downfield, McConkie, Lovett, whoever it might be, it's going to be a long day for Missouri's defense. It really is. So Oscar Dell, hopefully we don't hear his name too often on Saturday because if we do, it could be a long day for the Missouri defense. And ultimately, though, I'm going to give you my final score prediction here because, well, number one, I've probably made you wait long enough, right? But number two, it just seems like the right moment to say that after everything I've just laid out here, I just have a gut feeling that there are a couple things here. I think this is going to be a lower scoring ball game than maybe some people are expecting, and I just think Missouri is going to be in it for all the reasons I've laid out here all week. The matchup, Missouri's ability to put pressure, Georgia's maybe inability to make those extra guys in pressure pay with a quarterback running game. Hey, Georgia's going to have plenty of counters with screen games and, and their bevy of good athletes on the inside and outside as well. I'm just saying I've seen this before. I've seen some really smart Georgia fans even admit that, hey, this type of defense, this type of offense even for Missouri has given Georgia some problems. So while I think Missouri makes this a ball game, makes this an interesting ball game, it's just a little bit too much for me to say that Missouri's actually going to win. Would I be astonished if Missouri wins this game? No, not what's not whatsoever. But I have too much respect, obviously, for this Georgia program, this team in 2023, to say that the Tigers are going to go down and win outright as a 15-point underdog. That's just a little too much for me, but I do think we have a bit of a similar result to what maybe we saw for Georgia at home against South Carolina at Auburn. So I'm going to go Georgia winning this ball game 28 to 21. By the way, your boy Luther Burden now plus 750 to win the Fred Bolitnikoff award for the nation's best receiver that means he's got the third best odds right now after Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State and Malik Neighbors of LSU of course somebody Missouri fans are rather familiar with so some pretty pretty good shot there for for Luther Burton to win that award you gotta who is who has ever has a Missouri player ever won the Fred Bolitnikoff award let me check real quick and after a quick Google search, as I suspected, the answer is no. Although I would argue in 2007 or 2008, I would have taken Jeremy Macklin over Michael Crabtree, who had won the award both of those seasons. But hey, again, that's just me as the being the incredibly biased Missouri fan that I am. Just thought it'd be interesting to note there that if you think Luther is going to take home that award, well, Missouri might need to win this weekend. I don't know. 
750 what do you think of those odds that seems pretty fair to me nothing to jump on over there at this moment but I'll tell you you got to jump on over to FanDuel Sportsbook if you're thinking about scoring early this NFL season again with FanDuel America's number one sports book right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is so easy to use with a wide range of betting options from spreads to player props to over-unders and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season the right way. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And of course, while we are all focused heavily on the Missouri-Georgia game, Basketball tips off on Monday. I am definitely excited about that. Just a quick thought here. I really think Missouri's offense is probably going to be better than what the projections say right now. At last look here, I believe Ken Palm, for instance, had Missouri as projected as the 36th best offense in the country here. Let me let me actually check those numbers really quickly here as well. Can you tell the Georgia fans have gotten in my head? Now I have to correct every single little thing I say. But seriously, I was right. 36th in the country for the offense. 79th is the projection for the defense. I've seen some other Missouri fans say this as well, and I'll just echo them and say, I think that's a little low for the offense perhaps a little bit high for the defense, at least early in the season. I think the Tigers are probably an over on the total here, at least maybe the first few ball games or so. And by the way, speaking of those first few ball games, obviously Memphis coming to town for game number two a week from tomorrow is an interesting matchup, though not quite as interesting without the great former NBA player Penny Hardaway. He will be serving part of his three-game suspension to start the season. So when I realized that, I got to be honest, is the the eighth grader in me who used to have the little Penny shoes. I was a little bit bummed out that Penny Hardaway, one of my old favorites, is not going to be at Mizzou Arena. But you know what? What the heck? I'll be there anyway. That's for darn sure. But speaking of college basketball, obviously it was announced yesterday, Bobby Knight, as I'm sure you've heard by now, has passed away. The three-time former NCAA champion, 11-time Big Ten champion, one of the true titans of the sport. I mean, a guy, the the buzzword I've seen thrown out there constantly in the media is that, well, Bobby Knight was complicated. Well, perhaps he was, but what's not complicated is that you cannot tell the story of the history of American college basketball, just basketball in general, without Bobby Knight. Uh, he really was that important of a figure. And you got you got a, a look at it firsthand back in the late 90s when Missouri took on Indiana and Bobby Knight at the Hearn Center. And when he came out, it, it was, there was no question whatsoever. When he came out of the tunnels at the Hearn Center, the buzz that went through that arena was just unlike almost something I've never heard before. This guy was truly 
a star beyond stars, a truly towering figure without a doubt. And, you know, some absolutely hilarious quotes from Bob Knight over the years too, including again, after a Missouri victory over Indiana in the NCAA tournament. This was actually in the first round before the very famous Tyus Edney UCLA game all the way back in 1995. Well, basically, a, a reporter asked a fairly innocuous question that Bobby Knight was not particularly in the mood to suffer fools. The question was something to the effect of, hey, do you feel like your players had their game faces on tonight? To which Bobby Knight says, in my entire adult life, I have never used the phrase game face one GD time or something like that, and then proceeds to just make all the faces in the world an eighth grader would make behind their teacher's back when they're in when they're in recess or something like that. I mean, one of the truly hilarious moments in college basketball history. But you know what? While I've said on this very program that I think in reference to Dennis Gates' coaching style and how he's I don't know, much more sort of loving, I guess, for lack of a better word, a little more warm and fuzzy than the great Bob Knight. I would certainly prefer Dennis Gage's coaching style, but I don't want anybody to dismiss that for being, or to take that, I should say, as me being dismissive of Bob Knight whatsoever. In fact, I have all the respect in the world for his basketball acumen. As you can hear in this clip I'm about to play here from about 40 years ago, this is Bob Knight talking about the great Michael Jordan, who played for Bob Knight in the Olympics before he had even played one second of an NBA basketball game. Well, you might say Bobby Knight had a pretty strong opinion and take on Michael Jordan all the way back some 40 years ago. The kid is just an absolutely uh, great kid. If I were going to pick uh, the three or four best athletes I've ever seen play basketball, he'd be one of them. I think he's the best athlete I've ever seen play basketball, bar none. If I were going to pick people with the best ability I'd ever seen play the game, he'd be one of them. If I were going to pick the best competitors that I'd ever seen play, he'd be one of them. So in the categories of competitiveness, ability, uh, skill, and then uh, athletic ability, uh, he's the best athlete, he's one of the best competitors, he's one of the most skilled players. And, and that, to me, makes him the best basketball player that I've ever seen play. You know, I would say that Bobby Knight was one of a kind, and certainly he was the most, probably the most successful of his kind, but really Norm Stewart was a heck of a lot like Bobby Knight too when it came to telling you exactly what he thought at all times to the media. Don't don't throw a dumb question his way. He may dunk it right back down your throat, that kind of thing. And yeah, not afraid to throw some barbs to his own colleagues as well, whether it be in good fun or in all seriousness too. So to me, yes, while indeed the great Bobby Knight, who famously told his critics that when they bury him, he hopes that they bury him upside down so they can kiss his ass. Those were his words, not mine there. Indeed, Bobby Knight does leave a somewhat complicated legacy, as everybody is saying. But you know what? Norm Stewart seemed to like him 
and that's good enough for me. So you know what? I hope this podcast has been good enough for you today, and I really hope Missouri has a good enough effort to take down the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday. I can't say I'm confident enough to pick it, but I wouldn't put any anything past these something-to-prove Tigers at this point. So you know what? Until next time, I will have your post-game Georgia action Saturday night, maybe? I'll go with a short video on Saturday night for sure, but absolutely Sunday morning I'll have a full recap, no matter what happens, of Missouri-Georgia right here on Locked on Mizzou.